back to another episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. This week, we are talking about three lessons from Silicon Valley Bank, what the rest of us can learn from the failure of SVB. You know, it is hard to tell tragedy from farce anymore. So unless you've been hiding in a, secu- in a secluded ski lodge, removed from all access to any information, which honestly sounds like an amazing idea right now, then you have been hearing nonstop about Silicon Valley Bank failing recently in what was a very classic bank run. Uh, Just like the classic film, It Is a Wonderful Life. Uh, There wasn't anything particularly novel about what happened to SVB in a classic classic bank fashion. Uh, It took in short-term deposits, primarily from startups and Silicon Valley companies, then invested those deposits in longer-term assets to make money. Then money stopped flowing in. Its asset values declined. Customers started to withdraw money fast. Contagion took over, causing panic and ultimately a bank run. It is a tale as old as time when it comes to banking. But we're not here to rehash what happened to SVB. We are here to learn some lessons from it. So let's take a look at some of the lessons we can learn from SVB. First up, and probably most importantly, no one knows what they're doing. Uh, First and foremost, we need to remember that nobody really knows what they're doing. You can write that down. Carry it in your pocket. Don't forget it. It's easy to underestimate the role of luck in success and in in failure. When you're in the world of tech, all it takes is one big hit and you've got it made forever, regardless of whether you really know what you're doing. If you get in early with the right company, you can simply ride that for the rest of your career. If you were an early product manager at a company that made it big, for example, you can probably ride that for a few years, whether you were driving and contributing or if you were just simply on the rocket ship that is an Airbnb or a Netflix or whatever the company is. And then you can go start a newsletter or go start on the speaking circuit and bask in the paychecks without really having put in a career's worth of work or even really knowing what you're doing, if we're being completely honest. The same goes for venture capitalists, VCs, who invest in lots of startups. They will have hundreds of failures, but it just takes one big one to make it. And then you can start a podcast and give advice to everyone on what they're doing wrong and how you would do it better. Uh, And I have a a great meme in this week's uh, newsletter. You should definitely go check out. You can see that at productthinking.cc. And it's uh, referencing the uh, Spider-Man film and and careful. He was an early investor in Uber. So definitely check that out because we have to be careful and respect those early investors in Uber because obviously they know much more than we do. So the CEOs, the CFOs, and the executives of companies from large ones to startups, they don't really know what they're doing either. We rarely get to see the fact that 
uh, those in important positions are just as clueless as the rest of us, but they are. I've been in those executive teams and in those boardrooms, and I can tell you that the leadership teams know little more than the average employees. But through twists of circumstances and luck, they have different higher paying jobs, but they screw things up just the same. Uh, The CEO of Y Combinator, an incubator for startups, called the failure of SVB an instinction level event because so many startups had all their cash deposited at SVB at the recommendation of Y Combinator. So both the founders of these startups failed to see the risk and one of the most successful incubators for startups failed to see the risk and pushed all of their graduates into this bank, which then left them flailing for a few days until their deposits were rescued. Even the executive team at SBB seemingly had little grasp of history or hedging. They were investing in record low interest rate bonds and didn't buy any interest rate swaps. They didn't hedge any of their risk, apparently. And then they tried to raise $500 million while selling assets at a loss, while messaging that everything was okay and not to panic. If that doesn't sound like a repeat of Lehman, uh, which was an investment bank failure during the 2008 crisis, in case you missed that one, which was a super fun time, I'm not sure what does. It's been a while since I've been in finance, but even I can sense the vibes there. It's baffling to think that people in such important positions could make such serious mistakes. But when we remember that no one knows what they're doing, it makes sense. Everybody is faking it to some degree. So when you feel like you don't know what you're doing, take courage because neither did the risk management team at the 16th largest bank in America. All right, so that's the first thing. Second, diversification is critical. If you get anything away from this article, a good takeaway is to diversify. Uh, Just diversify everything. So uh, diversification is important for banks and for most businesses. SVB had a specific type of client it catered to, and that partly proved to be its undoing. It served Silicon Valley companies, mainly startups and tech companies. And that's great when money is flowing in and times are good, especially in the tech industry. But what about when times are bad and money stops flowing in and companies need to draw on their deposits and shit hits the fan? So diversifying your customer base allows more flexibility when things change. When one industry turns cold, what other... In- customers can pick up the slack. It's fine and even important to focus initially. We talk about that a lot on this podcast, but growing a large business focused on a single type of customer or industry is focusing uh, too much and inviting a lot of unnecessary risk. Diversification is also important for individuals. Uh, We haven't got a clear picture of how many companies held 100% of their deposits at SVB. We may never know since the FDIC took over and insured all depositors completely, even above the $250,000 max. But why would you risk having 100% of your cash in a single bank? I'm not approaching the FDIC maximum on my personal accounts, but we have deposits spread across multiple banks for a variety of reasons. What if the bank got hacked or the account? What if we couldn't access money for some time? What if the account stopped working? There's so many reasons to diversify financially, even in just that one small area. But it's not just financially. We as individuals 
should diversify ourselves. Just like holding all of your cash in a single bank, if you just have one area of expertise or interest, you miss the opportunity to bring a fresh perspective to your work and shift when things get difficult or when you get stuck. In one of my favorite books, Range, uh, David Epstein discusses this idea extensively. It's a great book. You should check that out if you haven't already. But namely, the need to have a variety of experience to keep one foot outside of your world or outside of your area of expertise in order to diversify yourself. Quoting from that, compared to other scientists, Nobel laureates are at least 22 times more likely to partake in an amateur actor, dance as an amateur actor, dancer, magician, or other type of performer. Nationally recognized scientists are much more likely than other scientists to be musicians, sculptors, painters, printmakers, woodworkers, mechanics, electronics, tinkerers, glassblowers, poets, or writers of both fiction and nonfiction. And again, Nobel laureates are far more likely still. Having a breadth of insight in a variety of fields is good for your immediate work and also allows you to diversify uh, your abilities beyond what you currently do. So that is the second thing. <clears throat> uh, third, unintended consequences are everywhere. The Fed started raising the Fed funds rate uh, in earnest in March of 2022 to combat extreme inflation. And this caused interest rates on treasuries to rise as well. So anyone holding existing treasury bonds like SVB saw the value of those lower rate bonds decrease. A bank failure certainly wasn't the intended consequence of the Federal Reserve, but it was a consequence of it nonetheless. And we could keep going backwards to what caused inflation and the rapid increase in rates and all of these things and the unintended consequences going back and back. Every action we take has consequences, intended or unintended. The, the communication and tweets that we, that we mentioned before, attempting to calm the market and SVB customers had the effect of actually causing panic, another unintended consequence. Others like Peter Thiel withdrew money and then told all of their portfolio companies to start a bank run. Now, scratch that, to withdraw their money as well, potentially thinking they could front run a problem at SVB and then ended up precipitating the problem. It's often not just about the first order consequences of what we do, but the second and third order consequences as well. What happens immediately is important, but how will our decisions affect others? How will they impact? How will the impact spread later? We need to consider these questions, even if they are incredibly difficult to predict. Otherwise, we end up causing panic and bank runs or even things that are far worse. So hopefully... SVB will hold its spot as the second largest bank failure for a long time because we don't need any bigger bank failures anytime soon. But for those of us not running banks or working as founders or in finance, there are still some good things to learn from it. And we can take courage knowing that no one really knows all that much. And that we also need to diversify in most areas of our business and lives and to watch out and keep in mind those unintended consequences. So that is it. Those are some of the key lessons for the rest of us from Silicon Valley Bank. If you like this, definitely don't forget to follow 
this podcast, Product Thinking, wherever you get your podcast, and go subscribe to the newsletter over at productthinking.cc, the free or the paid version. You can support this podcast, support the newsletter by subscribing to the paid version. And that would be awesome. Follow us on social media at Product Thinking, just one T in the middle. That's on Twitter and on TikTok. And of course, you can follow me in those same places at Kyle Larry Emmons. And until next time, keep questioning all those assumptions and we will talk again then.